0: Way too many people are too old, too mature, not educated enough, not prepared enough, don't have enough money, don't have the support, don't have, like, don't know what to do, don't have a way forward. So, so many people have that as an excuse and I just fear, mm-hmm. just blow it all away and go, okay, is this possible?
1: Hello and welcome to the Social Acre Podcast. I'm your host, Terry, Principal and Founder of the Social Acre Agency. This podcast is home for the trailblazers and unconventional doers for all things business, self-development, and motivational pick-me-ups. You'll hear the real and raw struggles of entrepreneurship, solo episodes from myself, and expansive stories from guest speakers. Each week, you will leave feeling like you're not alone on the journey to wanting more. You can expect to feel inspired and empowered to get off the fence and take action. So pull up a chair, get your headphones on, and join the conversation. Hello and welcome to The Social Acre Show. Today, we are here with Jason Johnson, a serial entrepreneur and trailblazer from Alberta. Jason, I'm so happy to chat with you today. Please take it away and introduce yourself.
0: Well, hey, everybody. Uh, Yeah, my name is Jason Johnson. Actually, I love that term, serial entrepreneur. I don't think I've ever heard that before. that must be in the wrong circles. I'm not sure, but yeah, so I live in Calgary, Alberta. I was actually born there and raised, left, and then came back in 2008. So I used to be a pastor. In churches, um, so I came uh, with my family to sh- pastor the church in Calgary, was there 20, 2008 to about 2018, and then we stepped out, and for about a year of not having work, having piecemeal work, honestly faced a lot of rejection, finally landed uh, where I am, currently I'm what's called a warehouse technician. In a power plant, it's a combined cycle natural gas fired power plant. If you want to know for sure, we basically generate electricity. With my wife, well, we've been together for just about twenty years, married for seventeen, and we got three beautiful girls. Amazing! Yeah, we left Calgary and really plan on staying there till. Forever, I guess so.
1: Yeah, I lived in Calgary a couple summers ago and I loved it. It's a great place to be if you love the mountains. So I know when we connected prior to scheduling this interview, you had mentioned that your specialty in real estate was actually working with First Nations individuals and families. So I would love to hear more about your journey in real estate and kind of what excites you most about serving the First Nations community.
0: But real estate was really, was an opportunity that just came up that I really didn't go looking after. It just mm-hmm. came up, and it was a great opportunity, and so I took it. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. I took all of last year to work on the courses, passed all the tests, got licensed I'm with Coldwell Banker Mountain Central Brokers right now, and so I just began to think. So I got into it just for an opportunity. To bend. I sold a house in the spring and really began to float. So that was a friend of mine that wanted me to sell their house, and so we did. And it was pretty complicated, but. We got through it. And then after that, I just began to think, I don't know how to generate leads. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And so I'll be honest, I almost quit real estate. I saw what everybody else was doing and I felt like I, I couldn't do that. And then just through one, uh, just a simple question that was said, you know, what's your unique contribution? And I just began to think about that. And I thought, well, like, like I'm an indigenous, so I'm like from, I'm from what's called the Begunning Nation. Uh, we're part of the Blackwood Confederacy in Selden, Alberta, which what's called Treaty 7 Territory. And so I just began to think, is anybody representing the Indigenous community? Are we even buying houses as an Indigenous community, buying and selling and investing? And the more I dug and researched, the more I found that, no, we don't. We don't buy, sell, and trade the way non-Natives do. And there's nothing wrong with you know other people buying and selling. I'm not saying that, but they're saying like as a people group, I saw that there's a humongous disparity between let's say native homeownership and, and non-native homeownership. For instance, my, my father-in-law and mother-in-law, they came here in 1970. And within a couple of years, they bought a house. She knew two English words. I think it was spectacles and trousers. So those was the only two English words mm-hmm. she knew. But yet, mm. bought a house a couple of years later. Right. Uh, my favorite store I go to and the guys from India. I asked, well, how long did it take before you bought a house? Two, three years. But yet we'll see generation after generation of indigenous people never buy a home. And so that's Mm -hmm. really what I began to dig into, to say, well, like, why is there this disparity? What's going on? And I found a lot of stuff that I kind of knew, but the more I dug, I just began to go, man, there's such a, there's a mindset there. There's no societal issues there. There's lots of past trauma. And so I was talking to somebody and they said, like an indigenous person, well, they're moving from this town to this town. I said, well, you're going to buy a house? And they said, didn't even cross my mind. Didn't even think about it. Didn't even come up on my radar. And for me, yeah. that's just, that's just a normal thing that you do. You, you get an education, you get a yeah. job, you get married, you, you buy a house. That just seems to be the steps, but with indigenous folks, they're not. And so then I began to yeah. dig into it to go, and, and I'm sure Terry, you know as well, that there's a humongous housing crisis for indigenous yeah. people both on the reserve and off the reserve. And um, I could list them for you, but in my humble estimation, and this is my driving passion, is that home ownership virtually solves uh, the housing crisis. and. Nobody is doing this. And so as a realtor, I hate to say it this way, it is a large untapped market. It just is. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, like I'm the only indigenous realtor that I know of or that I've heard of in Treaty 7 territory. If I'm not the only indigenous realtor, I'm the only branded indigenous realtor. Yeah. And so I began to chase after that to go, what would this look like and how would it be? But maybe you've seen this too, Terry, but I inadvertently scratched an itch that I didn't know everybody had. So as I, I did an interview with CBC and, and I, I hung it up on LinkedIn, I put the article up there. Well, then someone from CMHC phoned me up and said, hey, we love what you're doing. It's kind of in, in our wheelhouse. Can we get together? Uh, somebody from the Alberta Real Estate Foundation called me and said, man, we'd love to sponsor these presentations you're doing. And all of a sudden I'm seeing like all these major players are going, we want to see King Digi's homeownership on the rise as well. But we just don't have anybody on the ground. And even when I spoke to, I spoke to a lady from CMHC, the Canadian uh, Mortgage Housing Corporation. And on Friday, this last Friday, she said, all the banks are wanting to create lending services for Indigenous people specifically to get into homes. Really? So for me, I'm going, There's a Dutch phrase. I don't know how to say it in Dutch, but it basically says, you landed with your ass in the butter, which basically means you, you found this niche you found this thing that yeah. you know hopefully we'll have a big payoff so that's kind of where we're at so I'm passionate about that I'm excited about that I've got a strategy and, and partners going forward and so it's, it's kind of where's at. but again I just stumbled into this and like I said I, I was yeah. this close to quitting but then yeah. discovered this and now it's like boom we're making it happen
1: yeah so. well it's crazy because when we first connected the first thing you told me was that indigenous communities that was your specialty that's what you focused on and Back to your point of being one of the only people in your niche, you're the only person I know that is focusing on that community and supporting them. And I think a better way to blaze a new trail and start this movement so that we can lift up that community and be a part of solving the housing crisis. So I think it's incredible that you found this like golden nugget and you're just blazing this completely new path on your own. You're so many things, right? Like, it seems like you're very multi-passionate. And I also understand that you're an actor. You have multiple TV film, voiceover, theater credits to your name, which is so cool. I kind of want to tap into that side of things. Like, what sparked your interest to pursue that career alongside of real estate? Or did you, were you doing them at the same time? Or like, how did that kind of look? I tell
0: people that I've always been just an inborn performer. I could show you my report card from 1975, where my kindergarten teacher, (laughs) Vincent Johnson, said she wrote down, Jason's wonderful to have in class, but he tends to disrupt it with his antics. I think those are her exact thoughts And I'm sure during my mom thought he'll get over that, you know, he'll grow out of that, but I've always been a natural performer, a class clown, love the center of attention, love the spotlight. And it's got nothing to do with pride. It's got nothing to do with ego. It's got nothing to do with narcissism at all. It's just, as I tell people, me in front of a group of people doing something is my absolute sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And so I... Did a lot of public speaking uh, when I was in junior high, but really found the theater in in high school. And I'm going to touch base on this too. But then um, I got into the church, as I said, I went to Bible college and did some internships, uh, got my master's degree and, and, and did some awesome, awesome things. But the church absolutely became my focus and I just let everything else go. Like it became the overarching filter that I ran everything through. You know, where did I live? Who did I date? Where was I going to go? What was the next level? Everything was filtered Mm -hmm. through this this call on my life and so I left it but in 2016 I I really focused more on public speaking that really became my artistic outlet if you will because I love public speaking and I love preaching and I know it's it's sacred and and a holy moment but I also wanted to entertain people I also wanted to -hmm. to do something different and hopefully people enjoyed it but it was in 2016 I was the MC at this uh, large music festival and I was there. I don't know if it was the, the lights, the camera, the action. I don't know what it was, but after that festival, so I, I was a host. I think I said that there's about five, 6,000 people in attendance and I was rocking and no. making announcements. We were going live on Facebook. I was interviewing the artists. And after that weekend, I went to my wife and said, I got to give this a shot. I got to tap into that again. And so then I just started looking around and saying, well, I want to be a TV and film. And so all of that just kind of came out of, I think of who I am and me. Putting that on the back burner as I focused on other things. And I, I don't think you can be proud of what you did in the church because I mean, it kind of goes against the ideals, but I, I, I was proud of my work and I was proud of what I did. And, yeah, it, is. you know, it just, it just sort of grew out of who I was. But even in that, it took a lot of work and training and juggling my yeah. schedules. And back in, when I first started, we'd show up for an in-person audition. Now pretty much everything is done. You do what's called a video self-submit. So you tape yourself.
1: Yeah, virtual.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, acting, it just makes me come alive. Like I honestly, I was in an ATB commercial. I was in a Toyota Tundra commercial. I was the main oh. actor in the theater. Uh, we did actually Night of the Living Dead. I was the main character, yeah. but I also did, a, you know, a sate. It was just, I shouldn't say it was just as though it doesn't mean anything, but I think fourth year, final project for the film. And so I played uh, the role of a, I think it was a coffee shop manager. So to me, it doesn't matter the role. I could care less. It's all like, oh no, it's only got to be me and The Rock. You know, just me and Brad Pitt. That's all the... We'll no, like I don't care mm-hmm. how big, how small. Like I'm just excited. I don't remember even auditioning for just voiceovers. And even mm-hmm. just that, because I'd go in and be, oh, here's a script for whatever. And trying to make up characters on the spot and, and giving voices to these characters. I said, even the audition, I love doing. Like it just, it was just so exciting and so you know, yeah. it, it was part of who I am. And it just absolutely makes me come alive. Like not like yeah. nothing else. Like I come home, like I love where I work, but when I'm on set on, let's say a Friday, Saturday, and then I got to go to work on Monday, it's almost a bit of a letdown. I'm like, oh, I want to,
1: yeah,
0: I just want to do that. Nothing wrong with a yeah. you know, power plant, don't get me wrong, but it just absolutely makes me come alive. And I, and I know you know that too about, about your passions, but it, it's easy to do. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's not work. Yeah. It's not hard. It's just, you know, it's easy to do, or it's, it's, I just love it. It's just absolutely makes me come alive. Like I said,
1: I think it's really powerful when we can fully tap into the things that we love and the things that we're passionate about. And sometimes we let those things slide. We put them on the back burner, but when we actually tap into them and just allow them to unfold in front of us, it can traject you down a whole different path. So I think it's, it's incredible that you can do all of these things, but know that that one thing really sparks joy in you and just to keep working at it.
0: Yeah. Some things that I do that are just kind of out oh, there, they were almost environmental. Like I have to go to work. This opportunity for real estate came along, but I told my wife, no matter yeah. where we go, no matter what we do, I will always act like always.
1: Yeah. I love that. Tell me a little bit about your key driving force becoming an entrepreneur. And have you always been like multi-passionate?
0: No, I wasn't actually. I think my driving force as an entrepreneur is really to the desire to start something from scratch. I, I have an idea to say, can I get this off the ground? Yeah, maybe it's the artist, creative person in me. I'm not sure. And remember, I, I would always be starting stuff and not always finishing them. Like you come to our house, you'll see a bunch of projects started, but not completed. And, and to me, it was always a sign of of immaturity or you lack discipline or, you know, whatever, you got a short attention span. And I was, I always kind of felt different because I was, I was always starting something. Hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that. Even when I was on, I went to was work on my master's degree in Kentucky. Well, I started this group. I started this group. I started this drama program. I, one day picked up the mandolin and started playing it, which they love in Kentucky, by the way. So it was just the idea, like, Hey, can I make this come alive and can I make this, bring this to life? So, but then my auntie, my uncle was my favorite uncle and, and she said, Oh, here goes uncle Will with his idea of the week. And I went, maybe I'm not alone. Maybe I'm not so different. I think it was for the first time I actually felt kind of normal. Like there's other people yeah. like me out there who just love. Starting stuff, like if I could show you the last 12 years of things that I did, you know, just to go, hey, I wonder if I can do this. I
1: tried this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So there's also, so it came out of, again, who I am, but there was also a necessity for it too. Always wanted to make some extra money. Always wanted to have a little bit of income. And I saw a phrase. (laughs) a statement that said multiple streams of income, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity these days. And so, <laughs> yeah, I was working at the church, but if I have some spare time or whatever, then I can also squeeze out some of these little jobs. And I did mobile outdoor lighting, I did reclaim, tile setting, oh. did some other stuff on the side, but I didn't really chase after those because, well, it's really tough boring work and I'm yeah. getting old. So it's hard to <laughs> dig in the dirt for days on end. But uh I think just, Some of the lessons that you learn from doing all this too, you want to become the better version of yourself. And for me, maybe call me old fashioned, but I love providing for my family and then just creating more opportunities and options for us. Those are some of the driving forces that were there. I also like the flexibility. I can pick and choose if I want or not. And, And it's also one of those things that, like if I'm at work and I work really hard on something and get a lot of stuff done, I'm still paid X amount of dollars. I can be right. Really lazy some days too, and I'm still paid the same amount of hours. But what I love about let's say being an entrepreneur is that your income, your life lessons, your networking, all that it'll grow the more work you put into it. So it really is really kind of the master of my own destiny. And I can, if I want to fly to the moon, well, I can. Like there's no ceiling up there.
1: Yeah, my my work is
0: great. My work is great. I got great pay. I'm probably overpaid. There's a progression Mm -hmm. there, but. Nothing like sinking a whole bunch of hours into your, your little side business or whatever it is and saying, and the more time I invest, actually, the more I get back. And
1: mm-hmm. I, I love
0: that too. Like your, your destiny, it's really in your own hands. I just love that. I, yeah. hate, I hate the feeling that my destiny is, is in somebody else's hands. Yep. Just cannot stand that feeling.
1: I cannot agree more. I think when people ask why I'm an entrepreneur, that would be my reasoning. I always tell people, it's so funny. I always say I would be an employer's biggest nightmare because <laughs> I'm just such a free spirit. I don't care if I make $20,000 a year or $200,000 a year. Being able to make my own schedule and have control of my future is all that I really value. I mean, not all that I value, but it's really like that is more important to me than even getting a solid paycheck every month. I really just value the freedom that my business allows me to have in my creativity, in my pay, in who I work with, in everything. I really resonated with even wanting to start things from scratch. I love taking nothing and turning it into something. I think that is just... The challenge is what I crave, and that's why I love entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah, totally. And you, you ask me, have asked me, have I always been multi-passionate? I alluded to this story, but no, I haven't. It was only the church. Like I, I did well in my vocation. I did well in my education. But if you can picture this, from 1998 to 2002, I lived in Vancouver. I was on my own, wasn't married. We didn't have children at the time. I was focusing on my master's degree, so I was finishing that off. I was also starting a church. I started a church again, out of scratch. So I guess maybe that's where it came from. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I was living in Vancouver. I was actually on TV at a local TV station called Now TV. And I really wanted to chase after TV and but I didn't because, oh no, I'm in the church. No, this is my call. I can only do this and nothing else. But I mean, Vancouver is the place to be. Like I, if I was multi-passionate back then, yeah, maybe I'd be further along in my acting career, but I wasn't. I just had these blinders on the, that that's all I thought yeah. f- was at church. And it, yeah. it's noble again, because I was focused mm-hmm. and I got a lot of stuff done. And at the same time, I, I wish I was more multi-passionate back then, or at least allowed myself to be that way. Because when I left the church, this sounds really bad, but when I left the church, that's when I really found the freedom just to, to explore and just mm-hmm. do what I want. I mean, there are some, I'll be honest, there are some roles I turned down because, well, Okay, I don't resonate with the morality of that character. I don't resonate with where this person's at, you know, in their life, and so I'm not going to audition. For that. So that's where there are some things that I don't do. But I wish I was more multi passionate back in the day. Yeah, but I wasn't because I feel like oh man, I, been, I was in Vancouver with all these things coming off the ground, and I could have been in the ground floor. But
1: yeah, for sure. And I think sometimes society molds us to focus on one thing. I see more and more people starting to break that mold, and and get more creative. And I mean, a lot of people started businesses during the pandemic, which I find fascinating that people actually started to do things that they enjoyed. It, it freed up that time and that space. So I love being multi-passionate. I mean, I'm never just gonna be one thing. I know that about myself, I'm many things. I like marketing, but I also like podcasting. They're very different. I think that's great. Going more into like the challenges and the obstacles you face becoming a serial interpreter and doing so many things. What was one of your greatest obstacles and, and how did you maybe turn that into an opportunity?
0: I'll be honest. I think probably like every entrepreneur, finding clients thats real, and finding paying yeah. clients. <laughs> that's, dollars to donuts. Yeah, I would love to just sell 1950s TV tubes, but no one's <laughs> going to buy them. No one's going to look yeah. for them. I'd love to specialize in, in purple pants, but I can't. So I think yeah. that finding clients is the absolute necessity, is the absolute it's, it's the bottom line, right? So that was the biggest obstacle. Out of that challenge, I also became a very good, I just call it a digger. I just found myself going after things, like a lot of cold calling, a lot of, hey, so focusing on DJ works, that's kind of more what I did for longer than real estate. I would go knocking on doors. I remember sending out dozens of emails to schools, to organizations. Hey, you got a dance coming up and develop this one page business profile. And I traveled around and handed them all out to people. And so I just began, rather than sitting back and waiting, and I think that's what I had to change. I had to reinvent myself a few times in my life. And that was one of the things Mm -hmm. I had to do was to go from, I'm going to sit here and wait for it to happen, and I'm going to get out there and make it happen. The challenge, of course, is that you can invest all this time, energy, money, resources, intention, your heart is in it, and get nothing back. You can have nothing to show for it. But unless you did all of that, you're for sure not going to have anything to show for it. I tell my girls all the time, like you may not win if you if you try, but you for sure won't win if you don't even try. And so I had to really change True. from treating time for dollars to I'm working so that this will work out, but it might not. And so that was the You're biggest right. change that I had to do. So I remember just digging calling people, I'm sure better than I do, spending my own time, spending my own money, spending my own resources, mm-hmm. putting myself out there and hoping i actually hate that word hoping i'm not i'm not hoping that it'll work i'm working toward it working out okay i'm not hoping but anyways i'll use that word but i'm I'm hoping that these things work out and so i just began to get really good at at digging just to go okay Mm -hmm. what's over here you know will this organization ask me will this individual these and now with real estate will this person or this family like will this community kind of open up and so like i found it with with DJing was easier because there's a couple hubs that I that I signed up for. There's ones called Wedding Wire, another one called Event Active. That literally they will send you leads that you just follow up with. Now, but again, I really did a lot of digging. I, I called people back. i phoned up like past clients to say, "Hey, are you doing it again? I'd love to be able to to be a part of what you're doing." And I actually received uh, quite a mm-hmm. few, of, um, not referrals per se, but repeat customers uh, because of that.
1: But yeah.
0: just if you're an entrepreneur out there just dig and dig and actually a friend of mine and we went to college together he's uh, he has a phd now he, he teaches and he instructs and i asked him I was, well, how's your business going and he said well well he wants, he wants to be a consultant he's a professor but he also he wants to be a consultant really bad and i said like how's that going so it's not really great i've only got a couple of contracts and i said man like every leadership thing every <laughs> gathering like you need to be just knocking on get chasing
1: after.
0: Yeah. hey I, I can't tell him what to do he's you know he's a growing man yeah or whatever, but just you know, my advice is you got to become good at digging, just finding those opportunities because you, you, you look out of the landscape, you go, oh, well, there's nothing out there. You start mm. this person calling that organization, like chasing after this, bringing on your business card, having your, your swag all ready to go. I remember showing up <laughs> to DJ gigs. I had contracts, blank contracts, just in case somebody asked me. I had my one page profile to hand out just in case somebody asked for it. like, what you're asking for, I'm ready to go. You start digging, you're like, oh, I didn't even know this gold mine was sitting right there. I know, but you had to call this person. They said, oh, maybe call that person. and Oh, okay. Then they call that. Oh, back to that group over there. I know they're looking for it. And yeah. it's not called just shameless self promotion. Like you just yeah. kind of run under the line. Like this sounds bad. I don't care if it's are shoving people out of the way on yeah. the line so that
1: you're yeah. thought to
0: be first. So, and I've, for any entrepreneur, I think that's probably the hardest thing is, is finding yeah clients. And, and now with real estate, there is no referral hub. No one's chucking you leaves because they want it themselves. But hey, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I had to dig and dig and dig and dig and I found this my niche that, that we already spoke about. And and now yeah. uh, TikTok, through Instagram, through Facebook, through LinkedIn actually is quite a good uh resource for me too. But all of a sudden people are coming to me now. And yeah, let's mm-hmm. I haven't sold any homes yet, but maybe in you know, this new era, I'm, I'm working toward it. I'm not hoping for it. Yeah. I'm working toward it.
1: Working no, toward it, you know, it. I love that. Yeah, I think sometimes digging like the reason why people are hesitant to dig, like your friend was, is sometimes ego gets in the way, you know, like we think we have to know everything before we take action. We think that we have to have it all figured out or we have to have enough education. And for me, my mentality has always been, okay, I might not know everything, but I'm gonna try because that's how I'm gonna learn the best. The taking action for is uncomfortable, but that's how you learn. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think that if they just Read the next book, take the next course, do the next thing to prepare themselves that then they'll be ready. When yeah. in reality, like you're never really ready. So you might as well just like, take the leap of faith and start digging anyway.
0: Yeah. And that was always my, my problem is that I was, I would just jump into something without knowing anything about it.
1: That's like me. To, That's me. Like, hey, everybody,
0: I'm, I'm here to do this thing. <laughs>
1: That's also, me. That's clear.
0: Like, I don't know. So maybe yep. I should be a little bit better prepared. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I feel like just, Yeah. Jump off and and figure out how to fly. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with being thorough and learning stuff and and becoming an expert. Yeah. But I don't know, I feel like there's a tension there.
1: Yeah, I know myself really well. And I know that if I spend too much time in the learning and development stage that I won't take action. Like I started an Etsy store where I made like a, I'm selling a digital product now. And I knew nothing about digital products. I knew nothing about Etsy or selling on Etsy. And all of my friends had told me that are entrepreneurs, like, you need to do your research. Etsy is really complicated. Digital products are really complicated. And I just, I did it in like a week. And I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll learn as I go. I guess I'll figure out how to be an Etsy seller in the next month while I've already launched my product. And people don't always agree with me that I just like take action when I half know something. But I just know personally that I won't do it if I don't, if I spend too much time learning.
0: Well, there is a, I mean, I heard this great, maybe it before too, but you need to be working in your job and you need to be working on your job. And mm-hmm. you talk about some of the, cha- so working in your job is you got a gig, you got an event, you got this thing scheduled, you got a paying client or whatever it is. I need to show up. I need to do it. Working on your job is, is that training. It's that, hey, do I need to get some new technology? It's kind of you know, getting yourself ready. And so, so one of the struggles I have as, as an entrepreneur is, And I had this when I was, when I was selling a home, if I'm working in my job, I I take the foot off the gas when it comes to Mm -hmm. working on my job. And I, that's one of the things I kind of struggle with is just being consistent and carving out that time to go, okay. You know, so for my, as a realtor, no, I don't have any clients right now, but every night, like my broker said, you can't do everything, but you should at least do something every day. And so it could be for me, you know, learning. So I just was passed on a new, um, a new software for, for realtors. Okay, I need to learn that. Okay, I can I can spend time doing that. My broker, you know, he, he records all of our all of our meetings. Well, I, I could watch those, you know, and there's some certification that I can take through different realtor organizations. Okay, I can be I can be doing that. So I always especially when I had a home that was it was we, it was contractual, we were selling our home. I just took the complete foot off the gas and I went, Oh hey, I'm selling a home, so why do I need to do all this stuff? Well, Dude, you still need to like you still need to keep fresh and current, yeah. up to speed. So, because people ask me, "Well, oh, hey, what's the market like?" I'm like, well, I, I don't know, I'm, but I'm selling a house, so I don't really care. Well, no, dude, like you still need to be, still need to be an expert. You know, you still need to, yeah, be ready. So that's that's probably one of the things that I struggle with as an entrepreneur is like, oh, I got this going. Oh, sweet, I don't need to worry about anything else. And yeah, but I, I do. So I think there is that tension. I think between working in. Your job and then working on your job or in your business and working on your business and i I need to i need to be pushing both of those faders up at the same time but yeah i don't
1: totally agree if you're looking for more organization efficient systemization automation project management and so much more you're going to love honeybook honeybook is your one-stop shop for all things customer relationship management I've been using HoneyBook since inception, and let me tell you, it has made a world of a difference in operating my business and providing an incredible customer experience. Get 20% off your first year using HoneyBook by heading to the site www.thesocialacre.com slash links. I know you also talked a little bit about, you told me a little bit about, you know, wanting to talk about following your dreams. So I wanted to tap into that because I feel like too many people play life really safe. And everyone, I think everyone has a big dream or an idea of what they want their life to look like. And I would say like 90% of us just don't chase it. So what's your take on that? Like, what would you say to someone who has a big dream but maybe feels fearful that they could lose everything trying to pursue it?
0: I say this all the time and I tell my daughters, well, I take my daughters as, as, as an aside, uh, we have three girls and uh, they're aged mm-hmm. uh, 15, going to be 16 in a couple months and my middle born, she just turned 14 a couple days ago and we a 10 year old. So pretty much every week I take each of them out on their own for a, a daddy daughter day and I just try to have fun and, and we share some of the same stuff. So like my one daughter, we just, have heart's she part of town and we read and the other one we we went golfing together so but I also try to speak into their lives just to say because I want to pass on some of the stuff that I learned to my girls and one of the things that I say to them all the time is you've got to give your dreams at least one chance like everybody should pursue mm-hmm. their dream at least one time just and I don't mean just dabble I mean like give it that old go college for it. try like guys I'm going for this I don't know what your dream might be right but I'm going to, I'm going to chase after it. So I'm I'm a huge advocate that, like you said, I I think you're right. I think everybody has a dream. I think most of us get too practical or just figure it won't work out. Or maybe we tried it a couple of times and it didn't work out. And so now we're, oh, well, I'll never try that again. You know? So, but I think that I'm hoping that everybody has a dream. I'm hoping that everybody has this yearning and this hunger in them that goes, "I, I wish I could just, yeah, I'm doing this. But man, if I could just sell everything and busk on the streets of Toronto, man, that would just be, I would love to do that or, you know, be a musician mm-hmm. or a lot of people feel like they're just too old or they're just too now encumbered with, well, I got to pay the bills. So I mm-hmm. can't do that. I'm like, man, you just gotta, no matter what it is, I think you have to chase after it. because I think that best sense of the word possible, I think having a dream just, it keeps your head in the clouds. So if let's say if all you have is your work, but if you hate your work, Man, that's going to come out in your marriage, your kids, you may turn to alcohol or drugs or something else, or if if it's not going so hot, maybe in in some other area of life, but I have this dream. It just lights up my eyes and it makes me feel like maybe there's something else out there, you know, beyond me, for me. And so I think in the best sense of the word, I think, I think dreams just keep our heads in the clouds and because way too many people are too old too mature, not educated enough, not prepared enough, don't have enough money, don't have the support, don't have, like, don't know what to do, don't have a way forward. So, so many people have that as an excuse. And I just fear, mm-hmm. just blow it all away and go, okay, is this possible? Could I even mm-hmm. do this? And this sounds really cheesy and cliche, but I regularly play journeys don't stop believing it's <laughs> of my, i know it's we say it's terrible but i love that playing. my wife was like oh i hate this song but i'm like you know it sounds really bad but i just i just imagine steve perry telling me jason don't you dare give up on your dreams don't you dare stop mm. believing like you just keep going the man like he doesn't know who i am i would love to meet steve perry one day i'm even tearing up as i talk about him i just feel like <laughs> like you just you just gotta chase after it and for me like Especially for for TV and film, and now with realty, like I believe in my dream, I know it will, I know it'll work out, and I believe in, in myself, and I believe in my my work ethic. I believe in my ability to reinvent myself. I believe in my ability to, mm-hmm. if I need to just BS my way through something, and because I'm I'm a great a yep. talker, and you know, so I believe deeply in my dream, and I believe deeply in myself. Mm-hmm. But I think depending on the stage. You do have to be realist. I know I've heard, I think Chris Pratt, the story, you know, the actor Chris Pratt, the story was he mm-hmm. sold everything and, and moved to LA in his van and kept auditioning. I'm like, well, sorry, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to move to LA in my van with my family until yeah. I'm just not going to do that. So as much as I'm chasing after TV and film and real estate, like I'm not quitting my job to go work real estate full time. It, it might pan out, but it might not. And so for me, I'm also trying to balance other realities of, of, of where I'm at. And, and if that sounds lame or, oh, Jason, you just dismissed everything you just talked about, then I guess just call me hypocrite. I'm not sure, but yeah. there are some things I'm just not prepared to do the risk at, at this stage of the game. I mean, if my wife if, is, if my wife is a sugar mama, then yeah, I'd be able to do that. Or, yeah. You know, when you are the main breadwinner when you've got these, and these are good things too. So we, we have a home, the girl's. We're investing in their education and and these are good things too, right? So I'm also trying to go, let's chase our dreams, but also for me too, being realistic. And actually in in 2019, so I left the church in 2018, floundered for over a year before I found actual stable income. And actually, so being an entrepreneur was part of the reality. I had to get some money. So I started this DJ Mm -hmm. business, but in 2019, we were like this close to saying, okay, we're going to move to Vancouver. I'm going to work with my buddy's landscape company or my brother-in-law's construction company. And so I can chase TV and film and we'll keep our house for an investment or whatever, but then like a week later, I got called from the power plant and landed a job there. But Mm -hmm. yeah, if I didn't have something to go to, then I wouldn't go to it. So like I said, I, I think you need a balance when I was younger and didn't have well, the family and all that kind of stuff or my wife could work from home or something like that or or what but, yeah i would take way more risks but i'm just I'm yeah. not prepared to do that right now so and dream big but i think we also need to be realistic too and and i hope that that yeah. being realistic doesn't damper the dreams because honestly like yeah like as an actor like i just sent an audition yesterday uh, i'm getting auditions three or four auditions every single week so i'm still chasing out but even in calgary i'm still getting all this For stuff I auditioned for something that's going to be a huge game changer uh, for me. And I hope I get it. So you can still chase even being while being realistic and same with real estate. Like once we get the message out and create this movement, yeah, man, it's the sky's the limit. So I think you Mm -hmm. can still dream, but also be realistic. So let's say if I was younger, oh, frick, I would, (laughs) I would be the guy who sold everything lives in his van. You
1: know. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's me. Like, I just think that's so profound because, you know, when I first started my journey, I literally had just graduated university and I started my business during the pandemic outside of my student house bedroom. And I think the odds were so against me in every way possible. Everyone was telling me, you know, you don't have any experience. How can you start a business when you haven't even worked? But I just got out of university. I've been learning for four years. And now I'm sitting in my bedroom on lockdown, but I like the challenge of trying to pursue something when everyone is, is against it or when the odds are not in your favor. I think that is more enticing to me to push that envelope and prove everyone wrong because no matter what situation you're in, no matter what season of life you're in, anything is possible. I have a business now and everyone was telling me it wasn't possible because I was lacking experience. I was too young whatever reason they came up with it just goes to show you that if you keep trying at something whether you're failing or not it eventually is going to work out so yeah. i hope you get the role too and you know what i it's a lesson for everyone listening right now no, no matter what you're doing or what you think you know you believe if it's negative or whatever like just keep trying if it's not yeah. working
0: yeah so as an actor there have been some game changing roles that came down the pipe that I knew they would in my career would take me to the next level. And some of them were even they're even lucrative enough. I had one last year that I auditioned for. I hate to say I love my audition. I kept it, I still have it, I still watch it because I thought Mm -hmm. it did not bring me on. But anyway, (laughs) but it was lucrative enough that I'm like, honey, I told my wife like I could actually just do this full time because this is such a game changer. But I didn't get it. There was one TV show that's on the air right now. It's it's primarily indigenous. And I auditioned for five different roles, didn't get any of them. And then there was actually Saturday, my, my agent, she called me up and said, hey, they want you for this TV show. And I'm oh, it's fantastic. She said, it's not a great role, not huge. You know, you'll be offered union because now you've, you've had smoked lines on these unions things. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. And called my boss on a Saturday. I said, man, I got to be out of work on Thursday. And he maybe run the gauntlet a little bit and gave me the gears. But yeah, okay, great. Figured everything out. I'm good to go. My agent called me back. Is it? Oh, actually, they they your part. I went. Mm. What? Yeah, they canceled your your part. So you're going to face those things. You're going to face. And my wife said, well, mm-hmm. "What are you going to do? Just keep going. That's all there is to it. You just keep going." And even with this call yeah. that I'm I've worked hard for and, and and prepared for, if I don't get it, I'll just just keep going. That's all there is to it. Like yeah. you, know, you just got to keep persevering. So uh, one of my great talents, I think, is just that the ability to, to bounce back. Right? Just my. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, it's, it's an old song. You get knocked down, but you get back up again. Like I'm, I'm so resilient to those things. So, yeah, I'll help piss and moan and whine and complain and, and mm-hmm. say I'm going to quit. And then, all right, half an hour later, we're up again and we're walking forward. So you just, yeah, I'm extremely resilient. And I know you are too, so it's just, that's yeah. probably one of the biggest tools in the, the entrepreneurial tour shed is because there are times when you literally will just be doing it by yourself. My wife had to give me the gears a few times, like, well why are you doing all this so much? Why are you out there? And why'd you spend 250 bucks on headshots? You know, like it's got to do it. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> no,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's part of the process.
0: Yeah. yeah it is, but you, you've got to be resilient. Right. And so whether it's, whether there's a pandemic along the way or, you know, whether you're just doing it by yourself or you're not getting the return or whatever, then but well, you just, you just, you just got to keep going. Like there's a Robert Herjavec, yeah. uh, Dragon's Den. You probably know Robert Herjavec. But he said, you know what He said? Every so often an opportunity will come along. You'll max out your credit cards. You'll max out the line of credit. You'll beg, borrow money from family and friends because this is just so worth it that you just got to do it. Like even, I don't you if he advocate, advocates going into debt. Hey, if that's what it's going to take to get you there, then whatever it is, just do it. But you just, yeah. yeah, you just got to keep going.
1: Could not agree more. So- In wrapping up, I have one last question and to my audience, I'd I'd love for you to share, you know, what advice would you give to because my audience makes up uh, a lot of young entrepreneurs, a lot of people who are either aspiring founders, they are founders early, you know, like my age. So what advice would you give, you know, a young entrepreneur, maybe unsure of what they want in life?
0: I mean, ideally, if you're young, just eight, you won't be young all the time. So just remember that. Yeah. You're never too old. I'm in my 50s now, coming up to my mid-50s. Just had my birthday, 52nd birthday. And still dreaming, still chasing, still reinventing myself. So you've got this, hopefully, a very long life out for you. So can put your hand to a lot of stuff. If you can somehow line up your passion you know, with your skill, with your station in life, if all those things, all those stars can align, you know, that to me is the sweet spot. When I told people, Oh, I might go back to school and get my bricklaying degree. People are like, really? Bricklaying? You know? And if I told somebody, Hey, I'm going to work on my heavy duty mechanics certification, people would be like, really? You? But with acting, mm-hmm. DJing, realtor, like not one person batted an I. So if you're young and you're thinking, Hey, what should I do? I think looking here because mm-hmm. who are you? What makes you, what makes you tick? What are you going to chase after? What are you going to be doing anyway? For mm-hmm. me, like, like people will always ask me, Hey, can you DJ this martial arts gig? Hey, can you DJ? Or, yeah, sure, man. So when I said, Hey, I'm going to do my own DJing. It just, it was just, it kind of flowed out of, of who I was. So if you can kind of tap into know yourself, know who you are, find your love and passion. And if you can find something to align with that. It doesn't have to be one thing. It can just be whatever, but just, I mean, Monique has always been an inspiration to me. She's just, yeah. but she, Montessori school. What do you know about running a Montessori school? I don't know. But incredible. uh, Yeah, exactly. Now she's got something else on the rise. I remember, you know, she looked at buying a business, even when I was still a pastor there. And I remember going with her and going, you bought a flower shop. You're looking at buying this other, like none of these have anything in common. That's totally fine. But she just, she has that ability to take something and just kill it. You know what I mean?
1: I really feel like like she's been a massive influence in my life and, and the decisions I make in my career. Like I lived with her for four or five months a couple summers ago and she has in a way, profound way, taught me the ropes. Yeah. And she's also taught me the one thing, you know, that I'll always go back to. And that's you don't need to just do one thing and don't limit yourself to one thing. Going from a flower shop to a Montessori school, I mean, that's a serial entrepreneur and she's just trying things. Yeah. She didn't know anything about a Montessori school and she bought it, but that's not the point. The point is that she's tried and, and made something of it and that is entrepreneurship.
0: I don't put words in her mouth. I, I don't know if she would maybe do something if she just absolutely hated it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But I don't know if she would. And so I think for young entrepreneurs, I would say find something in your wheelhouse. Find something you just know mm-hmm. to
1: just kill that. Go after. And that was advice yeah. to,
0: it to me. As a friend of mine is a really good entrepreneur. And I talked to him about all these ideas, and he goes, dude, just find something you, you know you can just kill." and he went back and said, mm-hmm. "I know you can kill it at these thi- three things, so you know chase after them and so and so that really did make a huge difference for me. But if you're young, I would say, take this what it's worth, but take as many risks as you can, you know, honestly, mm-hmm. because I wish I would have when I was younger, but take the risks, chase after your dream, like if it means moving from here to there, then hopefully you have family and friends support, but you're young and Like to say, you're unencumbered for only a hopefully a few short years of your life. So, but just I would say take as big a risk as you can. You're going to need to know who you are, like, you're going to have to do some deep digging into here. They always say, Oh, the world's full of great things to explore, but inside there is as well. And so, if you're young, like, Mm. hopefully you can figure out who you are and just go, This is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what makes me tick. These are my passions. This is my vision. Now, this may change in time, this may grow and develop, but. For right now, like find something, you just, that. find something you just love to do so much that you gladly do it for free and then get so good at that mm-hmm. that people would gladly pay you.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's really awesome. So tell my audience in wrapping up where that they can find you and connect with you.
0: The way, best way probably is through my uh, email. It's RevJohnson, at Outlook.com. Now I'm right now in the midst of, of rebranding myself uh, from a, as an Indigenous realtor. So all that's going to change, but that's kind of been my email for the probably the last twenty years. So that's probably the the best way if somebody wants to to reach out to me, or if you're in Calgary, hey, swing by. We'd love to have a coffee or or whatever. Email, we can connect on Zoom if you want to. We can set that up. I have a Zoom account, so if you guys want to do that, then yeah, it'd be true. be fantastic. We'd love to connect.
1: Amazing! It was so nice talking to you today, Jason. I know last time you saw me, I was sixteen, and now I'm interviewing you for my podcast. So. Man, <laughs> things happen. They, I feel like I'm getting old quick. So I'm trying to take your advice and take all the risks that I can. But you being able to add so much value to my audience, I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no, I, it was awesome. It was awesome. I think when you're in the church there, visit we didn't really say too much. <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. impressive. I'll be honest. It's impressive to see what you've done in just a few short years. Thank you. For what it's worth, I'm really proud of you. I think you're just, uh,
1: oh.
0: I think you're one of the most powerful women that people talk about and, and, and look up to. So I think you're on, on a fantastic track.
1: Thank you, Jason. I hope you get all the rules. You audition for it. I can't <laughs> wait to see you. I can't wait to say, I know that guy when I see you on Netflix.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm not hoping you it will... happens. I'm working toward it happening.
1: It is going to happen. We're working right. towards it. I love That's that. We're right. flipping the script. Okay, great. Enjoy your vacation with your family.
0: All right. Thanks, Terry. Take care.
1: Thank you. Bye. You Bye. too. Bye. I am so thankful to whoever is listening right now and I would love to hear from you. Screenshot your podcast app and tag the Social Liker Podcast on Instagram. If you feel so moved, please leave us a review. I can't wait to connect with you and hear your biggest takeaways. Until next time, bye everyone.